The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Podcast One presents Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze, an entertaining behind-the-scenes look at the world of food, where you'll hear from anyone and everyone from the culinary industry, including restaurateurs, TV hosts, celebrity chefs, producers of your favorite cooking shows, and many more. Now, here's your host, Richard Blaze. Hey everyone, welcome to Starving for Attention. Richard Blaze is here, Jasmine Blaze is here, and soon, walking in the door, Nikki Nakayama will be here. You might know her from her amazing restaurants and Naka in Los Angeles, or from season one of Chef's Table. That's right. Only the second chef, I think, that we've had in here from Chef's Table. Grant Atkins was one. Right, right, right. Um, She is just like, to me, super serious, like... Fine dining chef. It's one of these chefs who does only well, tasting what you know menus, of her, right? I mean, what you've no, watched yeah, her on Chef Table, or right? Which is almost like I, I guess that's really interesting. I want to, yeah, I can't wait to meet her because it is one of those things where, like, Chef's Table paints the chefs as like these very sort of quiet precious, souls and yeah, artists, like very and, precious like, and very like serious, almost and inti- in an intimidating, in a good way, certainly, but like, almost yeah. in an intimidating way. Yeah. Where, the, where, like, on the Food Network side, it's almost the same. It's like, oh, I just want to, like, smack that guy on his back. Yeah. Want to hang out and drink a lot of beer with that guy. Uh, totally different. But Nikki Nakayama stepping up in here um, as we... That reminds me of you. Yeah. We were just were talking about that uh, serial podcast. Um, you mentioned another podcast. And, and at the end of their podcast, they were talking about the courts um, in, you know, Cuyahoga County or wherever in Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. And they play Food Network on all the TVs. I know. I did, did listen to that. Did you hear that yeah. part? Well, it makes sense. There's a it, reason When for they it. explained it, it made total sense because it's not – there's never any violence. Mm-hmm. There's never anything really controversial. You're just – Someone's just stirring. Yeah, and it's a quick, like, and, and it's, it is something I've been interesting. Thing I've been thinking, especially in this world where like everything is so hard to one side, right? Everything's so hard left or so hard right. Yep. Everything's very liberal or very conservative. Like there aren't too many things that do a really good job of being the middle. Right in the middle. Yeah. Guess what does? Food Network yeah. does an amazing job of just being the middle. It's I always say this to parents who are like, I love you on Food Network. Yeah. It's like, and if they're with their kids, it's like it's one of the only things you can just throw on the TV. Right. Whether with, you're like, no fear awaiting a court happening. assignment, right. or you know just at, at home doing your homework. You know, yeah. uh, so I think the middle is something that's really, really um, interesting. Does yeah. and like these, you can be sort of painted into this. So you know, you like you know, like the chef that you play on TV. Right. I guess is, is, is what I'm saying. Um, it's a show. Chef's Table is a show that I have eschewed a little bit, to be honest with you, out of most likely... Um, Being mad at them? Not mad at them, <laughs> but like, again, you know a lot. We know a lot of those chefs. Yeah. And it's like there is the, probably for the same reasons because of the romanticism that's involved with it. Um, and like I've, tr- you know, the seriousness of it sometimes is, is, is not necessarily how I want to go about my everyday. But there's the talent that they bring on that show. Unparalleled. Unparalleled, yeah. I mean, yeah, and a lot get, of these get, people... get big, big grabs, yeah. Nikki included. Grant's a great example, too. Like, you don't really see a lot of these people yeah. on television. Yeah. So it's, like it's almost true. like a premiere, right? True. And, or, and yeah, it's, it's um, opening the doors, especially to some of these kitchens that you don't really get to go in unless you're going in there to, to you know, spend a good amount of money on a tasting menu. You kind of get a little view into them. Um, you know, for just the, the price of streaming, right? Yes, I'm excited. Um, and it's also an interesting way too. Like I think it, it, on Food Network, it's the same way. It's like you might not ever go to these restaurants, but you can kind of experience them through a television show, yeah. which I think is pretty fascinating. You mentioned tasting menus. I really want to get into it with her uh, about like kaiseki menus yeah. and omakases and like these menus where you don't choose 
that, that chefs just choose. Yeah. I think it is a really big commitment for, for chefs that commitment. only do that. Yeah. And I'm always curious if they get tired of it. Mm. Like I did. Like, you know, I did it and I was like, oh, this is fun. But then yeah. you're like, ah, oh, every once in a while I want to make a hamburger. Mm. Or every once in a right. while I want to do something that's just like a plate of roasted chicken with potatoes. You think potatoes. it's just like different strokes kind of thing? Or do you no, think- I, do it, I do think so. I think yeah. some chefs lean more towards the artistry as well. Yeah. Uh, and I think yeah. you, have to have a, you have to be able to pull it off and you right. have to be able to want to do it every single night. Uh, it sounds like it's easier, but it's also a lot harder. Even if you're cooking for less people, if you're doing a 13-course menu like Nikki does, you know, and you're, you know, each, each guest is getting a number of plates, right? right? So, like, if you just get a three-course meal, it's three plates. But right. it's 13 plates for every guest. Yep. It's a lot of work for the dishwashers, yo. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Respect. Respect. Listen, I want to take a minute to tell you about the Analon Nouvelle Copper Series. Just like starving for attention, Analon knows that food, cooking, eating, and life connect us and are interconnected. We know that these connections are personal and collective, extending across histories, social lives, cultures, and that we renew and refresh them every day through great food and great cooking. That's why they're committed to making quality gourmet kitchenware, to designing and providing kitchenware that supports, grows, and sustains these connections and committed to supporting and growing and sustaining our connections to you. Hard anodized construction is twice as hard as stainless steel. Multi-layer metal bases are crafted with copper. For excellent heat conductivity, uh, triple-layer premium non-stick interiors are utensil-safe, clean, rich, sable, non-stick exteriors, unity surface with flat, easy, clean rivets. Uh, They are cast stainless steel handles, which are important. Deep-seated stainless steel lids, which just get forgotten. I mean, people have lids all over their kitchen and they don't even use them and they're important. Analon Nouvelle Copper Lux line is also dishwasher safe, suitable for all stovetops, including induction and oven safe to 500 degrees Fahrenheit, which means basically oven safe for any oven that you can commercially buy unless you have tinkered with your oven or you are a pizzaiolo and you have like a brick oven or a wood-fired oven outside, but should just say oven safe for all commercial ovens. And of course, a lifetime warranty. You can visit Macy's to shop the collection or go to analon.com now. Oh, by the way, Jasmine. Yeah. It's 2019. It is. Happy, Happy New Year, Happy everyone. New Year. Hey, I'm going to crush my resolutions for this year. Yeah. I want to bring Nikki Nakayama up on the podcast. Oh, okay. And here she is. <laughs> I'm crushing it. You're crushing life. Already. Nikki Resolution. Nakayama. Resolution. Completed. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you for having me. And welcome to 2019, everyone. Yay. Right. It is the new year. Uh-huh. And uh, Chef, you run amazing. Uh, you, you, you cook amazing food. And uh, I know that your uh, New Year's Eve and the holidays were pretty, pretty festive, as, always, as they always are in fine dining restaurants. They are crazy. Are you comfortable with, uh, uh, like, I mean, obviously you have a fine dining restaurant. Are you comfortable with the term fine dining? Uh, as someone who's had a, a a restaurant that was a cafe or titled cafe and true true I think um I, you know what in all honesty I've never really thought about that. oh wow yeah I just I figured at some point during my career when I was running the sushi restaurant that if I was going to spend so much time working I wanted to do something that was really meaningful for me and then mm-hmm. I really really enjoy um, eating large meals or like fine dining style because yes. it's so different from the normal day-to-day of our lives and it feels very celebratory and very like luxurious just because it's food and so much of it yes <laughs> no and you so. say so much of it too but your restaurant's kaiseki right yes yes uh lots like a tasting menu right is yes. this another this is another way to say tasting menu um actually for our viewers for our listeners yes, who yes, have, have that maybe would be not a wonderful way to describe it okay and so kaiseki is the most formal way to dine in 
uh, Japanese cuisine, and it's really representative of seasons and the ingredients. And I think, uh, for the most part, all of it is based around this different cooking methods, like to showcase what Japanese cooking is about: the steaming, the grilling. The frying and the braising. So the format of the menu almost is broken down by technique. Yes. yes. Wow. Yes, it's mm, cool. Yes, so it's uh, broken. <laughs> Seriously, mind blown, mind blown emoji <laughs> yeah. right there. So is that why? So sorry to jump. Is that why that you you? I, I noticed that most of your menus are seem to be thirteen courses. Yes. So is does it have to be thirteen courses? No. Okay. No, it all depends on the chef and um, what what they feel is. Usually it's an odd number, but uh, usually at le- at the very least there's five courses. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's a minimum. Yes. Uh, but you then so why did why do you why did you settle on the number thirteen? It seems I feel which is uh, traditionally <laughs> in in America an un- unlucky number. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I didn't really. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I I felt that when I wrote out different menus because we used to offer a nine course okay and then when i was looking at the menu i just felt that there was we couldn't say enough in the nine course i felt that it wasn't complete that it was Mm -hmm. just sort of skimming through what i really wanted to do or present and then when the 13 course format i felt like oh it was very complete Mm. and Mm. i felt that it told a really good story and i felt that it was enough food to for people to enjoy and not be overwhelmed by Mm, I like that because mm-hmm. I, it always is interesting to me. Like the, the chef, like you said, gets to determine how mm-hmm. many courses there are. Right. And I remember being young. You actually worked with me side mm-hmm. by side right. in a restaurant where when I was young and very immature, <laughs> like six months ago, <laughs> uh, I was doing menus of like 30, cor- like 30 courses. Yeah, and, you were doing like 31 courses. 31 courses. Right. Now, That's for me, right. I was doing it because Baskin Robbins at the time <laughs> had 31 flavors. Right. And I'm just kind of a wise ass uh, that doesn't come from much. Uh, but there was also, I know, part of it was just like, I'm going to do more than El Bulli did because I had spent mm-hmm. a couple days you know, staging at El Bulli. Um, but to like find 13 as that like sweet spot, mm-hmm. like uh, for, for, for good reason, is really, really impressive <laughs> to me, yeah. right? Like did you ever, was it ever 14 or 15 and you pulled back or you just knew nine wasn't enough and 13 was just sort of perfect? I think 13 has had always felt perfect to me. Wow. I never tried more than that. And I thought, because when I think through a menu, a lot of times I am, I'm imagining like where I'm eating. And then it's like, well, I just ate this. So what do I feel like eating mm. after that? And then it's always mm. like, and putting it together. And then after, at some point, I'm like, this is enough food. I feel that it's very complete in what it wants to say about Japanese food. There's enough creativity in it. There's enough challenges in it. There's enough things that are familiar. So it, it all, it works really well. Uh, I, how often are you changing out the courses then? Uh, we change out the menu, of course, seasonally, so sure. every two to three months as much as possible. And yeah. then we do our best to sort of present new things for people that come back within the season. Okay. And um, it's challenging, but it's a lot of fun, so it sort of keeps us on our toes. I bet. Yeah. yeah. Is, yeah it, I bet. is it challenging, again, as a restaurant that, you know, I have a restaurant that the menu changes every day, and there are times when I know that it's changing too much, like it's mm-hmm. moving too fast sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, especially living in California... Mm-hmm. How do you fight the urge with all the amazing product that's capable of walking through the back door of not making changes every every day, making, you know, full blast changes? I think what I always feel, especially now, is that menus do, I mean, like dishes do need a little bit time to sort of be refined. Mm-hmm. And I always feel that if it's not 
at that level, it doesn't feel right to send it out. As much as the ingredients we want to come in want to dictate everything, there's like little ways to present them that work, but to put it on as a full on course, it needs time to be refined for us. Now, does that refinement process, does it happen? And this is a question that I was, um, we had your, your friend, I'm sure, Grant Ackett's mm-hmm. uh, on the podcast, and I was talking to whether or not Alinea has a lab. And mm-hmm. I was shocked to really find out that they don't have a lab. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you do the refining? Is there is there a training grounds? How does it, how many times do you eat it before it makes its way on the menu? Like the season before, are you doing a lot of I, uh, it's, lab work? Actually, we don't have a lab as well. Okay. Which I really envy Are you offended people. that I've said the word lab? No, okay. no. I'm so envious of people that have labs. It's right, like, where can we even build ours? In the parking lot? Right, like, right, right. <laughs> but um, we – so it always starts out with an idea. And then we work on it. And then um, – there's a, like multiple platings of it and multiple things that and we taste it and sometimes it's like, well, this is missing or that. And some dishes come together really quickly and some dishes take a lot longer to come together. And then and I always question the ones that take too long to come together because mm. that just means it's not really meant to be. Now, is there um, – we we've talked about this on the podcast with other chefs. Does it – when it goes on the menu, is it in its final form or are you okay with the fact that it still evolves while it's – during the season, maybe. I'm totally up for it evolving okay. all the time. It has to, right? Yes, because okay. because for me, I'm really bad at writing recipes or just, you know, writing in a recipe full on because I always feel that as dishes, as we change, the dishes that we make should still completely, still evolve. Right. Like, mm-hmm. I may have made, used these ingredients for last season, but then this season, I don't want to look back and see what I did exactly. I just want to sort of roughly remember what was on it. Right. And then from there, reinterpret those things. This mm. is the struggle of an artist. <laughs> yes. I feel yeah. like. Yes, um, definitely. And you're an artist. I, I, I hope on some level, yes. Right. <laughs> um, so, that, that, so it goes to my next question, which I think you've probably heard from mm-hmm. many, uh, you know, serious journalists who are not <laughs> myself. Uh, art or craft? Art or craft. I think – so my conclusion to this is – so right. you've given this thought. You've answered I've, this question. I've had, yeah. I've had a lot of thought in this because art in itself is a very separate thing than what we do on certain levels. And I think art happens naturally through the mastering of craft. Mm. Because the more you're able to understand your craft really well without overthinking it, like it just when it's very intuitive and it just does its own thing, sometimes when you don't recognize it, it just naturally becomes art because it can move people like you don't set out to create food to be like oh i want to move people like you create food because you want people to enjoy it on a level that it's like very Mm. heartwarming or like to sort of because food is about enjoyment on so many levels right don't you think that 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 is what the the more you the more that it is art Mm -hmm. then sometimes it's easy maybe not for yourself because you're great but then it's easy to sort of get pulled away from the fact that it is sustenance and yes. energy and nutrition and these things that are a baseline to what we do. Yes, yes. And I think that sometimes when we're too cerebral about the craft or like something like food, it takes away from what's so beautiful and so simple about it. Mm. So I think um, for me, art is something that sort of just – it's kind of like something that just happens when you're really good at what you do. It's like learning to play an instrument. Mm. You can learn your scales all day long, but some 
at some moment it just becomes a part of you and then you hear something and then you're able to sort of just play it right away without even thinking. Yeah, at some point you're the running back hurdling the defender. Right. You're not practicing <laughs> yeah. hurdling the defender. So it's, it's a really a horrible analogy. analogy uh, I like the scales <laughs> analogy better. So do I. I wanted to give it the other, the other you know, side of it. For, for, yeah. the, for the other I people who are listening. I want to back up to one thing that you said that I love. When you're creating a menu, <laughs> you said that you imagine you as a diner, mm-hmm. right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that is fascinating to me. Like you're, so when you say I'm imagining it, is it from the place of you in the restaurant, like full blast imagination, or is it just from like your stomach, or like wh- like where is it? Because I always have a theory that I create more delicious food, and this is me just testing this. <laughs> I, really, this is you giving me a therapy session. Um, <laughs> that my food's better when I write menus when I'm personally hungry. Yes. Like if if, if I'm actually hungry, yes. I will write food that's more delicious. Yes. Than if I'm you you. I agree. Oh wow! Okay. I agree. I agree because I feel that when we're when I think about dishes and I'm open to just feeling it through, it's a lot more cohesive. Like uh, when I when I'm writing a menu out, it's usually I'm craving things. So when there's craving, there's an understanding of um, you start to reach for ingredients or or flavors that you wouldn't normally think about when you're not hungry as much. Right. Mm. So uh, to answer your question, I always think of it in terms of not necessarily sitting at the restaurant, what I want to see visually, but what I want to eat. So it always comes from if I'm hungry, I'm eating yeah. this. Mm. Like yeah. sometimes, okay, for a, a lack of a better example, when you're really hungover, there's yes. Like, well, perfect know, for New Year's right. Day. Yeah. This is a perfect. Everyone's Jeff. What are we eating? Jeff, pick your head up off the soundboard. <laughs> right. Okay. I, so when I, you're hungover. So when you're hungover, there's this desire to eat food that is very soft and very like heartwarming and like kind of for for Japanese people, it's a lot of like soups. Right. Mm. Like you want to eat soup because it's clear. It's like friendly to your stomach, and I think that's. Uh, that's how we think of things, like, or just for, well, that's how I think of things. So, uh, I don't even know where I'm going with this. No, I, mean, so <laughs> like, I just you, totally you, lost my thought. So then are you saying, like, okay, so I want to create a soup or I want to create something that's salty and has right. a lot of You just know what, what comes next. Right, So you, right. you think of addition, like, what would I want to eat next after eating that? I get that. Right. I love yeah. it. So, uh, right. it, traditionally, you, you had mentioned the techniques in a kaiseki. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what are, like, could you run us down the, or is that? Sure. Okay. So, um, of course, in Japanese cooking, cutting is a major technique. Right. Because mm-hmm. you yeah. always have to think about the size of the cut, how you want to cut it. For example, when you're cutting sashimi, you think about the fat content of the sashimi. Right. If it's too fat, you can't cut it really thick because then it'll be really kind of like not pleasing for somebody no. to eat it. So if you think of it, you cut it thinner and then the amount of soy sauce that's going to go on it and, you know, how it sort of like will really, really balance itself out. So those are the things that you have to think about. That's okay. one of the techniques. So cut. Cutting. Cutting. And then there's grilling because I think for Japanese cuisine, there's nothing more... Uh, refined than to be able to grill something to this point where it's like it's cooked but it's not dry or it's it's like the perfect amount of warmth that you've added to it. Mm. And then there's um, frying, which is. Oh, are you going in order, by the way, or not necessarily? Not necessarily. Okay, I'm just <laughs> yeah, sort sure. of like yeah. But, and then there's frying, which is like you know everybody loves frying. And then there's um, braising. Sorry, braising. Oh, yeah, braising. Braising. So, yeah. like, just knowing how to braise something and then uh, steaming. Mm. Okay. So yeah. those are the five basic techniques. And then usually it's – usually in order it's it's um, cutting, grilling, 
steaming, frying, and braising. Right. So mm-hmm. then um, that's not anywhere close to 13, Chef. That isn't. That isn't. So, right. that, I think so yeah, each is featured on some, some part of the dish. Right, right, right. And so then how do you deal with um, like substitutions in a big menu like that? I mean, ooh. just with how we have diners now ooh, that everything is. This is a is, very Southern California I bet, question. I bet you don't get it as much. I'm just guessing, hmm. but maybe not. I'm, no, I'm thinking I, I like bet gluten you. Well, and, you know, she, she runs in a your, your restaurant's like fancy. Like, I, I mean, know. like Jeff definitely can't go there. Uh, so, I mean, you probably get more. Like, I'm spending a lot of money on this meal. Like, there. whatever I want, I should get. Do you, get, do you see that happen in, in LA a lot, or no? Is I this think, just a uh, San Diego thing? <laughs> <laughs> I think for the most part, we are very fortunate that people try not to overdo it. Yeah. Uh, because they understand the format of our dishes. But we do try to accommodate as many dietary restrictions as possible because we understand. That it is a long menu and that we've taken away all your choices right. Right. because we're yeah. choosing mm. everything for you. Right. Mm. Uh, but sometimes when we're dealing with menu substitutions, that creates in itself a micro menu. So it's like, oh, I, I'm serving this to replace this, but that means the next dish doesn't really match anymore the dish before that. Right. So we have to change out a multiple, like multiple dishes to make the menu wow. complete. And it's challenging, but it's also like it's kind of like. It's fun because it's challenging and it's sort of a pain in the butt because there's so much work to it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so it's like both. Speaking of challenging, Chef, you just did this at your amazing restaurant, uh, <sighs> New Year's Eve. And New Year's Eve menus. <laughs> uh, restaurant holidays, as yeah. we've all experienced and we talk about on the show before. A matter of fact, a year ago on this podcast, our good friend Jeremy Fox <laughs> was here Very sitting nice. in your chair. You know Jeremy, yeah. amazing yes. chef talking about what it's like to um, do the New Year's Eve tasting menu, right? Mm-hmm. So we like to play uh, a couple games on the podcast. Are you, are you down? I'm totally down. Okay. <laughs> this one is called, or are we doing a, no, we changed it. I think it we up. changed it to like, yeah. would you rather? Would you rather? Holiday edition. Would oh you rather? Gosh. Holiday yeah. edition. So yeah. the good thing about would you rather is that we give you two things and you have to choose one. There's no like middle ground here. It's like, ah, I like both. Although you some gotta, people go. still go in the middle ground. This is true. And actually- but. Yeah, no. you, Nikki, you can do whatever. Right. Jeff, you can do whatever. We you accept substitutions. Let's, let's be honest. It's, it's the new year. It's 2019. Uh, these are all things, though, that sort of happen around the times of like a New Year's Eve menu yeah. sort of thing. Okay. Uh, Nikki Nakayama, live band or DJ in the restaurant? Now, in your restaurant, none, correct? Right. Like, this is no way. This right. is not happening. Got not it. Not happening. But um, in a fake world. But in a fake world, you have to go. For some reason, you're not working on New Year's Eve. Mm hmm. And you're going out to dinner. Would you rather go to a place where there's a live band or a DJ? Before you answer, I have been a DJ in a past life. <laughs> so the chance, and you played the trumpet. Yes, so the chance that Heavy Cream, oh the DJ, God. is spinning tonight, uh, or Creme Fresh, as I'm known nowadays. Uh, <laughs> Jeff likes that. It's possible. Live band, DJ. DJ. Oh, wow. I like that. I like that. Right. Like, I see, see, I feel like there are certain things that... That follow fine dining chefs like yourselves that only do like these big elaborate tasty menus. Chefs, chefs table, chefs <laughs> like the soft music, like you're clipping leaves from your backyard. I've seen it, chef. I've seen it. So I was expecting a live band, but I like that. Yeah. I like you going with the DJ. Okay. Um, as far as restaurant holidays go, and you just experienced this one, and this one's a couple months away. New Year's Eve or Mother's Day brunch as a cook. As a cook, you're a cook. It's not even you. Not even the, not even, a, not even the executive a, chef? She's like a line cook? No, you're a line cook. I think yeah. this is important yeah, this to is be like, you're cook, a line right. cook. Without a doubt, New Year's Eve. Yes. Yes. Okay, this okay. one, expand Explain on, this because I didn't get this. Okay. 
New Year's Eve because everybody's really feeling celebratory. They want to have sure. fun. They're relaxed uh, versus New Year versus Mother's Day brunch, which is rushed, and you have to hurry uh, up yeah, and yeah, you, know, yeah, you have yeah, to make yeah. sure that things are getting done. And lunch yeah. service is a nightmare. And people are bringing like Mother's like, Day brunch, mother, mother-in-laws baggage to brunch and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and there's like. <laughs> There's egg like cooker physical, ba- physical baggage or like baggage, baggage? probably Emotional both baggage? probably <laughs> physical baggage which See, is the worst Mother's Day brunch is is like actually a form of torture for for mothers because like here's my my spin okay on wait it. so yeah you also though let's be clear you've run restaurants I've run restaurants so you're you're speaking and from the mother's from perspective sides. or from the general manager's made a deep perspective both sides I'm, okay. I'm piggybacking on what Nikki said that yeah. it's stressful mm-hmm. but it's stressful because guess who has to get all the family ready to go to brunch. <laughs> Yes, that's right. Right, and so it's like, here's what we're gonna do today, Mom. Yeah, to, to honor you, mm. get everybody all dressed up really fancy, and then we're all gonna go to lunch, and the kids all have to behave. And yeah. like, it's like so, it's so counterintuitive and to me. God forbid you're gift. trying to get dressed up. <laughs> no one knows where the dress shoes are. No. You haven't worn you them f- since last year, and your yeah. kids probably don't fit in. That's them. yeah, that that uh, so, uh, long sleeve Oxford doesn't fit anymore. Yeah, then your youngest like, yeah, is in a pair of, of shoes that don't even fit them. The bow tie looks ridiculous. And, uh, your mother, like, like you don't even want to hang out with your mother-in-law. <laughs> So we're saying all saying New Year's Eve, um, yeah. which is also like um, you can also like uh, from the cost perspective as a restaurateur. This is just me speaking. Like it's just a little easier on New Year's Eve. Everyone knows it costs a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you more spend money. a little bit more, right? Right, a little more. And I don't I, think anyone's looking to spend on Mother's Day that's brunch. That's true. They're just and, looking to get it over with. And did I mention <laughs> egg cookery? <laughs> egg cookery. Oh, by the way, um, I think it is. You know what I've been obsessed with? Hmm. You um, is it omu rice? Omu rice, yeah. I've been obsessed with this for I literally a year. Rice. A year. Oh my gosh! Do you make it? I well. well. <laughs> I does he yes, try? Yes. yes. There was a, when the I was at the peak of my obsession, probably like you, like when you're craving something, uh, I would make it like sometimes like twelve times in a row, <laughs> just like back to back to trying, back to trying, back. Trying, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I just there's something about it that's magical to me, um, and I love the fact that it comes from a specific like period in the history of yes. Japan, right? Okay. Yes. I don't know much about it, um, but egg cookery. I guess I guess where I was the segue was yeah. from egg cookery. Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't want to deal with Mother's Day brunch, <laughs> especially if Omu rice is on Unless, the menu. Because yeah. <laughs> that's tough. It's tough to it, even just make a French yes, omelet. Yes. It's tough to pull it off. Right? You you had a hard time with the uh, the pulling off of the 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 it's, ooey gooey. It's the cutting. It that, it's the yeah. cutting of the rice so that it what, totally you, oozes. Any any yes. hints for him? Any tips? Any? Well, I mean, like uh, first of all, I do pretty good. Just to yeah. be clear, I I get close. It's just, Are you adding ketchup to the rice? First of all, yes, I'm adding ketchup to the sort of I've made right? sort of like, like a demi gloss yeah, sort of version of it. I definitely I had, the good thing ketchup is I had ketchup to rice. everything. Don't judge me <laughs> on it. Uh, but that was one of the things that I think really set me off. Like, oh, this ketchup egg dish looks rice. great. Sounds delicious. Plus, there's ketchup in the like in the sauce or the yeah. rice. Absolutely, umami, mm. umami bomb. Right? Yes, yes. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna make one for you. Okay, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna hold you to that. <laughs> yeah, I love omudai. Oh my gosh, mm. yeah. So <laughs> maybe I don't want to make one for you. Hey, everyone, 60 seconds. That's exactly how long this commercial lasts. You know what else you can do in about a minute? No, not that. Uh, you can get an offer for your car with TrueCar. That's right. In the amount of time it takes to floss your teeth, pet your dog, do a few sit-ups, or just listen to my voice, you can get a true cash offer. Best of all, you can do it from your smartphone or home. Just go to TrueCar and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details pop up. Answer a few questions and you'll get an accurate true cash offer from a local TrueCar certified dealer. It's that easy. After that, you can bring your car in and they'll check it out with you together. You can ask questions and get the answers you need so there's no surprises. Then simply leave with your check or trade in for your car with a new ride. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. 
Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, as they are bringing the Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can wager on. If you're into entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Visit the website or use the mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner at Bet Online to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code PODCAST1 for your sign-up bonus. Visit betonline.ag and don't forget that promo code PODCAST1 for your sign-up bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Make sure to stick around after this podcast to get the latest headlines from the AP News Minute. Can't get enough Richard Blaze? Then take a listen to any of Podcast One's other fantastic food shows. Every Wednesday, Michelle Davis and Matt Holloway of Forked Up, a Thug Kitchen podcast, serve up their own brand of food, politics, and pop culture. And chef Rick Bayless and food journalist Steve Delinsky team up every Wednesday to travel the globe while tackling food trends on The Feed. Check out Thug Kitchen and The Feed every week on Podcast One or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. All right, back to our game. Uh, would you rather, uh, again, New Year's Eve party here, uh, in, your, in your restaurant now. Let's play this as you, there's a restaurant tour. Balloon drop or complimentary party favor at the front door. Uh, <laughs> By the way, also, just to make it a little easier, I will break down what the party favor is. Okay. It is a, um, a musical little horn. The, mm-hmm. What is that called? The, blow, the blo- a blow horn. Like a blower? Uh-huh. A blower. Uh, and a plastic top hat. Okay. <laughs> and it's LA. Fake money. <laughs> Fake money so you can just cha 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 Johnny Manziel it. Um, I think... Uh, or balloon drop. We always think about in terms of what the guest... I, w- I would say party fever. Okay. Sure. What mm-hmm. the guest wants. Yes. And what we don't want to clean up after. Right. Usually, <laughs> this, you know, actually, this is kind of a quick little... Odd uh, sidebar here, but I was in one of my restaurants last night, and you know I don't know if you if you let your cooks like, I sometimes I'll just walk up to a station, there'll be like a little keepsake on someone's station, it's like <laughs> a little plastic, and it was a little plastic, um, um, like Ken doll, but like this big, and he was <laughs> oh pretty gosh. much naked, and he, but he had underwear on, and it said Chad on his underwear, and I was like, what in the world is going on over here? And it's like, oh, this is Chad. We write an inspirational quote below him every night, and and that's how we get through. The pasta station every night. And I was like, where did this come from? And it's like, oh, it was from a bachelorette party. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, someone so left a little candle behind. And he has become yeah. this symbol of the pasta station at Juniper Island. Okay, but wait, I want to fight for balloon drops here. Oh. <laughs> First of all, thank you for bringing me back. Just for a moment. Yeah. Okay, so you're, you're in your restaurant, everybody is coursed at the same. Generally, generally the same time. Are you doing seatings or how's it? We does have it work? two seatings. We right. have early okay. seating oh, okay. and okay. seating. So, so everybody's generally on the same course. What if the balloon drop is also a course? That would well, be amazing. I'm just saying. Yes, that well, would this be amazing. Was, that was the one of the part of the Grant Hackett's game <laughs> where we decided <laughs> where we were going to invent some dishes for yeah. Grant, and he could okay. say permission granted or denied, <laughs> and I would say he's going to deny that. This one in. He denied <laughs> almost all of them. Let's be honest. <laughs> Balloon, but you don't do these things, right? That's not. Wait, I think one year we did party favors. Oh, okay. Yeah, That's one fun. year we did party favors. You remember fun. what they were? It was were a they, hat. They weren't the tiny little Chad dolls. They weren't <laughs> tiny little Chad dolls. <laughs> I Unfortunately, not. I think though our guests would probably have enjoyed that. Probably. Nice. Yeah. Do you do? Um, 
I'm just curious. What did did you uh, have you seen any of these like little superstitious items? Like, do you have any stories like that? I also had two cooks that had the um, DVD of Lethal Weapon always hanging <laughs> over their station. These two dudes, Spencer. This yeah. dude was a banger. He did really, really good work, but he just always had, for some reason, a DVD of Lethal Weapon over a station. That is hilarious. Yeah. Well, Inspiration. You don't allow it, do you? No, I'm, I'm actually the one that has it. Oh, okay. Oh, cool. Let's hear it. We, can you, can you uh, entertain us with okay, this? Okay, so uh, one of our guests brought me this little you know those things you put in your car and then it gets like solar power and it moves oh yeah, oh, oh, yeah. shaky yeah. thing yeah. yes like a bobblehead yeah kind of like yeah. a bobblehead or sometimes yeah. it has flowers sometimes they're flowers mm-hmm. so i got one that's a sushi guy nice. and then i put him in front of me every day i mean he just sits there and then yeah. sometimes i'm just like stop taunting me i'm trying to work <laughs> as fast as i can already Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and then and if you're, like, working fast, he moves faster. And you're like, stop it. <laughs> yeah. I love that. See, yeah. like, I feel like every uh, – hit us up on the Instagram, Starving for Pod Show us your page. Uh, chef uh, – Send us a picture it? of – what uh, would you even call uh, it? Trinket? No, what's like, another uh, – what's, um, what's the thing you put on a, on a mantle? Like an altar? Like uh, it's, Yeah, it's a – Chef altar. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Something. What are we saying? Uh, There's something. We'll come up with a word for it. I'm going to call a it word. Chotsky. 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 Yeah, Is that nice. right, Jeff? No? Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. Back to the game. Would you rather gold – or silver in your food as a flavor? Edible gold or silver? Can, wait, Jeff is really confused silver? right now. There is edible silver and there's edible gold. I know there's edible gold. It's used in, definitely in the pastry world. Yes. Nikki does is like, do edible I have to, This silver. is where I feel like Nikki doesn't want to answer. I feel like you're talking about mercury and that's kind of dangerous. I know. No, not mercury. There's like, yeah, like Are silver. You sure? Yeah, like sparkly silver. Yes, I'm absolutely right. sure because I've cooked with it. <laughs> Well, you were cooking with eucalyptus um, leaves for a while there. and Well, that's a different thing. <laughs> um, so if you had to do it, like, you know, like it's, it's New Year's Eve. I don't know. I'll sprinkle like a little gold flake on a chocolate cake and charge an extra $100 for it. I, I, I say it's gold for us because okay. I've never used silver. Fair totally. enough. Mm-hmm. But have what I got you inspired? Glitter? Well, that's edible it's glitter. Simil- I bet you it's silver. It's probably right? similar, yeah. You're going to look up. This is now going to go to the meme I told you, the one dude that ate too much silver in real life and turned blue. If you eat silver, yeah. it will turn your skin blue. Right. You remember this? <laughs> like, and it's guy yeah, he, like um, he passed, but he looked like a Smurf. It, it's, it's a real story. It's not yeah. even me trying to make a joke. Yeah. Anyway, all right. This is one's going wide. Okay, this one I feel like I set up for you, uh, and I think I know the answer, but New Year's Eve, a la carte. Or tasting menu. Oh my god, tasting menu all the way. Never no. let people choose. No, yes, just yes. No, I feel like, I feel, <laughs> like, I feel like that for you doesn't even have to be a New Year's Eve question. It could just be a Monday question. <laughs> yes, right? agreed. agreed. <laughs> you are tasting menu exclusively. Yes. And I love how when we opened though, the way you said it was pr- probably one of the first times I've ever heard someone talk about a, a tasting menu where I like believed you. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're like, this is how I, it's an experience mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's not every day. Right. And like I, I feel like sometimes, again, maybe just from my own personal experience, it's it becomes more of like worshiping the chef. And you're saying it's not. That's not the case. It's like the experience of the diner. Yes. Which I think is always when you know you're in the right place. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but you just love – like you're, have you ever thought – tasting menus are hard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you got to do the same thing like you're saying, course over course over course, mm-hmm. right? There's probably those moments where you're like, is this a banquet or – right? Because like – if they get linked up, do you link tickets up? Like, are you putting out eight at one time, or is it always two by two, or just table by table? Or I think well, we this is inside baseball stuff. No? We have uh, twenty six seats. Okay, um, at, in the restaurant at one time, and we split it to about like four different groups mm-hmm. based on yeah. um, who's arrived and right. got it. Okay, yeah. so there are so so right. that you are in four different sections. Yes, two or three times a night. Yes, two seatings. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Okay. So we yes. Nice. Um, When's the that, last time you did like a la carte or? Cooked at a restaurant that was a la carte. Uh, I 
I think it was way before, I mean, before we opened Enoka. Yeah. 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 And like, you're like, well, never again. Never. No. <laughs> what if I someone like uh, wants one of the items? Sorry, this, this is me <laughs> now like, coming yeah, to your it's... restaurant later, making sure I don't do anything wrong. <laughs> what if I love one of the dishes so much and I want that dish again? Oh, we do it. Okay. That's, yeah. and that's, We're happy to do it. I always yeah. feel like that's just like such a sign of respect anyway. That yeah. like, even though you don't, right. you might not want to artistically, you're mm-hmm. like, how do I say no to that? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Right. What is the, is there a specific dish that you do that that happens to a lot? It happens a lot with our pasta dish. Oh, mm. yes. Yeah. Because okay. people always feel like they didn't get enough of it, and then mm. <laughs> I mean, like, when what we, is the dish? It's an abalone pasta with pickled cod roe. Ooh. So it's very rich, and it's probably one of the most richest dish that we do on the mm. menu. And I think it speaks to a lot of people just for the fact that it's so rich and delicious and yeah. familiar. Right. Um. Yeah, so people ask for that. And then sometimes they ask us for, like, can we have a big bowl? I'm like, no. Yeah, yeah well, that's totally Don't survey, be disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that happens a lot, too. Can I just get this yeah. uh, times 10 the amount of size yeah. to go? No, yeah. it's not, it's not going to work the same way. Uh, okay, uh, would you rather, Nikki, Netflix and chill or Netflix and grill? Being that you are uh, a Netflix Netflix star, you are (laughs) Chef's Table season one alum, correct? Yes. When it was really like, let's be honest, the best season. (laughs) Original. I'm saying that now to anyone who. You're also the first chef that's here from uh, Chef's Table, I think. That's true. Is that true? Oh, no, Grant Atkins. Oh, no, Grant. You're right. Oh, yeah. Grant, yes. Grant did. Was he season one? He's season two. Oh, I just offended Grant Atkins. I'm in a lot of trouble. He won't be offended. He's a little... I always get in trouble when I'm on Grant Atkins' Instagram page. <laughs> it's true. Um, you do. Yeah. It's, it's true. Um, so, uh, you know, cozy up, Netflix and chill, or Netflix and grill. Basically, do you want to watch Netflix for and the And lay the on the food, couch and drink wine? The food or? stuff or for the, the drama? I like Netflix and yeah. chill. There we mm-hmm. go. Yes. Who doesn't? Yes. Who doesn't? Good because I do not want to cook on my day off. Right? That's true. Or watch it. Uh, let's be honest. Do you watch any of the food world? Like, do you spend any time watching food TV? I, I do here and there. And okay. sometimes on the, my days off, it's like I do want to step away from anything food related or kitchen related because I know it feels that it's always on the back of my mind. Right. And then there's always like, oh, I, you know, I could be researching and trying to figure out new things to put on the menu or I could just watch TV and right. yeah. zone out. <laughs> well, there is something yeah. and I feel like you probably just because I know your your drive and your passion. Um, there is such a thing as burnout. There is. Mm, and like if you go, you know, tw- even tw- – I feel like – like I know a lot of us are like, oh, I remember I worked 49 days in a row and I opened this mm-hmm. restaurant, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Like I think once you get, quite honestly, you know, to the 10 to 14-day mark, you start mm-hmm. burning out. Mm-hmm. And it's not good for anyone, right? right? It's not good for your staff. It's not good for your brain. Right. Well, so, restaurants are one of those places where people do still tout like I worked 12-hour mm, day, you know, seven mm-hmm. days in a week for, you know – I'm on straight. Like, you know, like it is one of those businesses you where people are proud of that, I, you know. I, well, we're open. <laughs> You're we're, like, I'm on one of those stories <laughs> right now. We are open um, just four days a week now. Okay. Oh, that's nice. And then we have um, two ser- um, two seatings. But oh, yes, our man, days. Four days a week. That's yeah. nice. What, days, our, what I, days are you closed? Then? We're closed Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. But Tuesday's nice. our day for prep. Yeah. So that we all just go in for like three, four hours right, to right. do extra work. Yeah. And then on their regular days, the shifts are like about 12 to 13 hour, hour sure, days. Sure, yeah. But right. it makes 
it's okay because we have all those days. Yeah, I bet that really helps recover. people like balance their life a little bit. I, I mean, imagine if you could have two and a half days essentially off a week, right. even working yes. 12 hour shifts. I think people in this business are used to that. Mm-hmm. So, but balance that with a couple of days oh, off in a row, I mean, some it's, family time, like I mean, especially a Sunday off. Like that's nice. Yes. You have You're a, a, a smaller restaurant, yes. but every cook in LA now wants to come yeah. work for you. <laughs> are you hiring? I mean, that schedule, I think Jeff's ready to hang up the headphones. Uh, uh, that is kind of like, that is a, a dream. Yeah a dream schedule and yeah. it's where a hundred percent now when i called you an artist now i know you are an artist <laughs> uh and like you know the business side of you has got to be sometimes like oh no i think we should go six days a week or seven days or no you don't even let that creep into your not anymore mm. yeah. not anymore because i recognize that the time that we do have off is really important for just being able to you know recharge and also <sighs> it helps that. a lot with creativity like the more the less tired you are, the more the creative flow works. Yeah. So and the, and the more you experience other things, right? The more right. you can bring that to your your job, your perspective. Right. It's great. Okay, so we're we're Netflix and chilling uh, for at least two days a week. It seems okay. Uh, segue from that. So you do watch a little bit of of food on television. Mm-hmm. Chef's table or Top Chef. Chef's table. Ooh, good answer. Good answer. I'm sorry. No, no, don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. I, I, that's, I, would, I would answer that too. I got sucked up um, in watching your episode again uh, in, in you know, readying for this podcast, mm-hmm. but then also watched like the opens for so many of the other episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they really did at this point, I mean, just like Top Chef did, like almost create a meme mm-hmm. of a genre now of – of the food space, right? Yes. Where it's like, you know, the soft music. Yes. You're out in your the soft garden. Focus. Yeah. You're clipping that one perfect leaf. And it's just like, right, the soft focus. <laughs> it's like um, amazing. Um, real quick, what did that do to your restaurant? Well, because uh, the restaurant had been open for. Right. We'd been open for about three years and we were, you know, the business was good. We were having like no problems filling the tables. But after Chef's Table, we're now booked three months ahead. Right. Wow. So it's wow. been almost... Netflix is a monster, huh? It that's is. That's great. Right. It yeah. is. It, that's, that's insane to that know. And insane. I like also, I, what I do love about what happened with Chef's Table is, and we talked about it briefly when you walked in, is like there's kind of two camps. There's mm-hmm. like Food Network, which tends to be like very middle of the road, family friendly, sometimes campy, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's Chef's Table, Almost too serious sometimes, (laughs) just from the viewer's perspective. Yes, yes. And like the middle, I feel very precious. I mean, I like to say that I'm the middle. Uh, (laughs) um, But it's really like that's why why you're on neither. That's right. That's why I'm doing none of it. Uh, It's it's really like, but it it helped. It's helped both of those sides. Like whether it's your restaurant three months now because of Chef's Table and advanced bookings, or a restaurant that was on diners, drive-ins, and dives, mm-hmm. right, they're going like through a... the same thing. Right. And I think that's amazing that media has created, like has helped sustain and, and some businesses flourish. Like you're already yeah. killing it, but now right. you're, you're like, yeah. and you know what I knew Chef's Table was like crushing it? I was in, it was a while back, but I was in Hong Kong and I was in like uh, you know, breakfast place, right? Eating all the dumplings I could for, at this international breakfast table. <laughs> and I overheard just like two like, you know, English businessmen talking about Chef's Table. And I was like, oh man. <laughs> Like these guys are making reservations. I'm like that thing's about to blow up. Season right. one. Season yeah. one. Was... That that's amazing. Now, do you get over just like I do sometimes on Top Chef? Do people reference the episode to you in the like when you'd make a table visit or when they're in your kitchen? Is it like, are you over it at this point? It's been how long? <laughs> it's been uh, three years. Right, yeah. three right. years. Right. So I mean, do they want dishes that they saw on the episode, and are they constantly referencing like this? 
this moment? They they do reference the moment when I go and say hi to the guests, and it's always usually it happens because someone's watched it and then they resonate with the story because okay. I feel like our episode was very personal and that we shared very much of ourselves in it. Yeah. And I think there's this belief that the more personal you are with the things you express, the more universal it becomes. Mm-hmm. So I think um, for me, it's really I'm always really like touched and honored by people who feel. A connection to it because I think they it's sort of reflective of their own experience. Yeah. So I always think of it in terms of what they experience for themselves through it versus their experience of me. Yeah. So it's very, very like it's easy to sort of separate and just enjoy that. And I think the funny thing is because Chef's Table is such a beautifully crafted um, episode and I mean like series that there's I sometimes feel like oh it's such a romanticized version of me mm. because you know I'm human I have so many flaws I'm such an asshole sometimes in the kitchen and <laughs> you know it doesn't come through in the chef's table as clearly <laughs> so sure. when people come in and they expect to see that me in the kitchen and I'm just like playing or having too much fun or being stupid they're like who are you mm, uh, yes. where's Sunny. that chef's table where's that Nikki knock I'm almost like this is me you want you want to yeah. see me like this get me mad yeah right, right. I well, you do have that, that too. you have yeah. that experience I do that a lot people where... expect to see that edited version of you I mean I think it's or even just a joke or even like just like you're saying in an endearing way they're like I loved you you're such a nice guy and mm. I'm like it's all editing. <laughs> it's like it's all editing. It's all production. But at the same time, you can't. Like you're not an actor or uh, I'm not an actor. So like it is yourself. They mm-hmm. are seeing you. Like yes. I, it's not a – it is you. Yes. It's, it's yes. Ma- might be the best you yes. in yes. that moment. Yes. I'm um, still now, trying to live up to her. Now, I'm, I'm, still, <laughs> I'm curious um, for you. Did you – was there any part of you as I'm getting to know you here? I feel like was there any part of you that didn't want to do it or, or what was the consideration to let – all these cameras into your world. Like you said, your episode is really personal too. It's not just about you as a chef. Yes. I I may basically said yes because it was David Gelb. Okay. And he had actually dined with us a few times. It wasn't like just a random pick. He understood what we were trying to do. Yeah. And then when I saw Jiro Dreams of Sushi, I couldn't help but feel like, oh, this is somebody who understands Japanese food enough to sort of showcase it in a way that will be, you know, educational and entertaining at the same time mm. yeah so that so was it really was a trust yeah it yes, was a trust totally. because was that, totally. that was what surprised reading stories about you how like uh not uh, having uh, like working in a, a closed kitchen mm-hmm. basically right mm-hmm. and then like well the total opposite of a closed kitchen right? is letting cameras follow your your whole life around right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. so it was trust yes. right which yes. is amazing which is also i love that too because it's you trust the production at the same time you're asking your guests to trust you not make a choice with the menu mm-hmm I don't know. I just, that's I don't know. Sorry, that's I'm, really, not to get that too, like, really deep. Yeah, yeah, I love I know, it. Just to be clear, <laughs> Chef, like that's probably as deep as I've ever gotten <laughs> ever. on this ever. podcast. 100 like, episodes in. 100 episodes. Um, before I start crying, let's get back <laughs> because uh, back to uh, would you rather uh, foie gras or truffles supplement? Okay. okay. It's a supplement. You're going to pay for them. Mm-hmm. Not well, that it matters. Oh, let's say it's white truffles from Alba. Let's make it in, and uh, well, we will – uh-huh. And foie gras, however you, whatever the way you like it best. It's it's foie gras. Ooh, because, oh, surprise! Because <laughs> ding ding ding, that's a surprise answer. Because I feel that we do work with a great, a good amount of truffles. That mm. you know, like I can appreciate truffles. This is a wonderful aroma. But foie gras, I don't eat a lot of, mm. and it's one of those things that I don't think people should eat often. It's oh. just like a special yeah. occasion thing. Like when mm-hmm. you enjoy it, you really need to enjoy it. 
and then not go back and enjoy it again over and over and over again. <laughs> mm. I I, okay, that. I like that. I, that. A, I, yeah. I was going to say yeah. controversial a little bit, but you explained well, it really, really well. And plus the foie gras, like you have to, yeah, it takes some skill. I feel like you would want to showcase some skill and, and cookery and things like that. And truffles, like shave it on there. Yeah. <laughs> Can I rant something about something? Can we stop calling monkfish liver the foie gras of the sea? Yes, please. Okay, good. You're, you're <laughs> please. okay with that? Okay, good. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter if it looks like a torsion. It's not, it's right? I mean, it's just not that it's, it's not delicious the on its thing, own, right? but it, it's, not, it's not the same thing. <laughs> it's kind of just Disrespecting monkfish liver. Oh, I like that. I was going to say disrespecting foie gras. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I like that. When we do the next show, we're pitching another show where where chefs come in and take a stand for an ingredient. Mm -hmm. Would you come in and stand up for monkfish liver? Yes. You're on on the board. (laughs) You're on the board. Uh, Okay. Uh, This one's pretty generic. Uh, Surf or turf? Surf or turf. Uh, If you had to choose, it's just one course now. Just uh, definitely a seafood course. Okay. Wow. Yes. Okay. I, yes. I like that. Yeah, if it's one thing. Yes. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Okay, um, okay, now, Cheesy, you're in a hotel restaurant on New Year's <laughs> Eve. I'm spitballing this one. Oh, um, is it, you just said it was going to be turf, but let's say, is it main lobster tail or filet mignon? Which one are you going to go with? Filet. The two very ubiquitous New Year's Eve yeah. Surf and turf items. But it has to be filet mignon. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Are, are you also like I'm I'm over like chefs disrespecting filet. Yes. I feel like when anything is done well, there's magic to it. Right. Right. Yeah, so. And it, and it's not oh, it's easy to cook. It's not easy to cook. Right. It's easy to mess up. Yes. And like, you know, uh, you know, listen, strip loin's overrated. I'm just saying <laughs> that's where we're going. Okay. Uh, you have to sit as a diner on New Year's Eve now. It's a rare night off for you. 5 p.m. seating or 11 p.m. seating? Mm. For New Year's Eve? Yeah. 11 p.m. Oh, yeah. you want to yeah. be around for the ball drop, yes. don't you? Yes. Yeah. There it is. That supplement um, might be out by then, though. That, that's true. <laughs> might be 86. That's First of all, you're at my restaurant. We're 86 already <laughs> on the foie gras. We didn't bring enough in. Uh, you're ringing in the new year with champagne or sake? Champagne. Mm. Oh, I like it. 100% all I the like way. It. <laughs> you, is it, you like the bubbles? I like the bubbles. Yeah, mm-hmm. me too. It's the only thing I can drink without puking. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I really love the that pregnant pause, pause there. Yeah, that, that was, was perfect. Pause. You've done TV before. Absolutely. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Um, Chef Nikki, this one has to do with your name. Okay. Uh, Nikki Minaj or Nikki ha- Nikki Haley? Nikki Haley. 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 <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Nikki, Nikki Minaj Haley or Nikki Minaj? Nikki Haley. She stepped down. She's no UN longer our. Um, uh, uh, <laughs> Jeff right. doesn't know. I don't know why I'm looking at Jeff for he's. Jeff's googling. He's her got right a now. Gronk jersey on. No, he doesn't. But like no one knows. They're not watching it. Uh, Nikki Minaj. Nikki Haley. Nikki Minaj. There we go. Nikki Minaj. I think I that's a good answer. Yeah. And the last one, but certainly not the least. You're home now, even though you, even though, <laughs> you even though you were sitting seating. at the 11 p.m. seating, uh, uh, and this is more of like uh, sort of an Obi Wan Jedi sort of way. Dick Clark or Ryan Seacrest, you get to choose. Oh yeah, watching They're the both, ball drop. Both, yeah, okay. you're watching the Which ball one? drop at home now. I think I would have to say Dick Clark because I did see Dick Clark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There you go. Totally. It is. Yeah. Right. Like it, Dick Clark as, was always as, as amazing as Seacrest is. He'll yes. never be Dick Clark. Let's be honest. <laughs> Uh, Nikki Nakayama, always a pleasure to have you. Thank uh, you. I know you've actually maybe listened to one of these episodes. I have. Okay. They're fun. <laughs> nice. Thank you. And um, at the end of the show, we always ask our guest to 86. It's 86. Something. Something that you never do in your restaurants, 86 something. Something I always do with the foie gras and truffle supplements. 
Uh, what is one thing that you would like to 86? Uh, I would love to 86 any type of cooking that makes vegetables too soft. Oh, right. man, I like that. Yeah. Like the, now, we might have to dig in like here a little bit. Like overcooking? Like, like you so, mean like just like over like, steaming something to the point of mm, just Because I love food? my vegetables cooked all the way through, but not mushy. Right. Okay, exactly. is that what you're saying? Okay. Yes. yes. I like yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So is it, if you're going to err on one side of vegetable cookery, are you? Would you? Are you suggesting undercooking? Undercook. Or you are mm-hmm. suggesting undercooking. Undercook. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the yeah. wonderful thing about vegetables are is the actual texture, and then I think unless you're using it for a sauce, it's really not okay to cook it to the point of mush. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's, I, it's so unenjoyable. There, it is tough, and I think it's one of those things too. All vegetables are different <laughs> yes. right? and their textures are different yes. and it is one of these things I think I said to myself one of the interviews I did for like one of my Top Chef seasons like I like went on a rant about how I needed to improve my vegetable cookery <laughs> because it is one of those things like go try and glaze a turnip mm-hmm. cook super quick a yes. small diced turnip yes say uh, two minutes <laughs> right but like if you're cooking butternut squash it doesn't take two minutes and like it's really it takes experience and time yes to really sort of figure out the nuance between True. Like all root vegetables are different. Basically yes. what I'm saying, all into. squashes yeah. are different. And all <laughs> yeah. root vegetables, vegetables are different. different. All vegetables so are if, different. if I'm in your kitchen, is that one of the things that you were just incredibly particular about? I mean, obviously everything because, you know, you're uh, a super uh, famous, serious, well-regarded <laughs> starred chef. Um, but is it vegetable cookery? Is that like the yes. one? Got it. What? I think it says a lot about um, a chef when they cook vegetables because there's so much there – there is a lot of room for error. But it also really, really represents the kind of respect that you have for what you're cooking. Mm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you to do something tough. I never ask. Yeah, I know you're not prepared for this. Uh-oh. Oh, no. <laughs> What's one vegetable that Nikki want? What do, you, what do you want at 86? One vegetable. It's time to 86 a vegetable oh, right here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Jeff said two. all vegetables because yeah. he yeah. only eats hot flaming potato chips. Not hot flaming Cheetos. Yeah. No, not potato Cheetos. Chips. Potato chips. Okay. We're working for that Lay sponsorship. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, if you had to 86, I'll even give you the... If you a seasonal one or whatever, <laughs> just lunch. He's got two bags yeah. of flaming potato chips. Uh, I know gonna, you love all vegetables, I'm, but if you had the eighty-six one, I'm gonna get killed for this. <laughs> oh no! But it's celery. Oh, oh wow! I agree. Uh, I, <laughs> celery. I I don't dis I don't disagree with this. Yeah, I don't either. Celery's a pain in the just ass. Put salt, <laughs> just put some extra salt in the dish. Gosh. Yeah, yeah right. It gives it, it gives a minerality to it. It gives the dish of salt, yeah. but like it is also like. It, 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 tough to cook. You gotta. Most people don't even spend time, but you should peel it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the peeling of yeah. it. Yeah. You don't. It really, really right. like it's like horrible. It's yeah. Yes. Like and, unless you're like in some sort of survival like situation like a, you where get... you need to floss. That's where celery <laughs> right. That's comes in. You get like a good curry, right? and like you have a bunch of mixed vegetables in there, and then like you dig out something, and you think it's something delicious, and it's celery. It's and you're celery, like, <laughs> right? And it's the one vegetable, else. especially when you're eating like a mushy curry, because I know how you. And then celery pops up. You're like. Yeah. Guys, you overcooked your other vegetables. <laughs> um, but what about the little yellow leaves, Nikki? Those are adorable. The, yes, the little yellow leaves are really good. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not so much the flavor sometimes, but the texture. Okay, maybe the flavor too. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I also love that if, you see, if you're seeing a chef on a television show garnishing with uh, celery leaves, it, or if you're seeing a chef usually <laughs> garnishing with celery leaves, it means only two things. One, they're an amazing chef <laughs> and they understand the flavor of celery or the microgreen delivery has not shown up. <laughs> Jeff, thank you so much for hanging out with thank us. Thank you. Uh, where can people find you? Um, at 
You mean our yeah, what restaurant every, uh, anywhere, <laughs> Instagram, Online, anywhere. Yeah. Our restaurant is Ennaka, and we're located at 3455 Overland in Los Angeles. And they can find us on Instagram at Ennaka Restaurant. On the Instagram, and also you can find your episode on Chef's Table, Season 1. One of the best episodes, no offense, Grant Atkins. One of the best episodes (laughs) of Chef's Table. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We'll do it again if you want. You're going to come back and fight for monkfish liver on our our Mm -hmm. 2019 show that we're going to launch soon. Uh, Listen, everyone, thank you so much. Uh, Jump on over to iTunes. Do us a favor. And drop us a review, right? Uh, uh, We're still a five-star podcast, which is amazing that we've maintained our five stars. I'm saying this only because Chef of uh, of Nikki's Pedigree. Here, who achieves <laughs> actual stars. This is the only five-star thing I've ever done. Uh, if you love this episode, let us know. Jump on over to the Starving for Pod. That's Starving the Number Four Pod on Instagram. Drop us a little note. Uh, and until next week, stay hungry. Thanks for listening to Starving for Attention with Richard Blaze. Download new episodes every Tuesday on the Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, or PodcastOne.com. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our sponsors who made this all possible today, Analon Nouvelle Copper. You can visit Macy's to shop the collection or go to Analon.com now. And, of course, TrueCar. Visit TrueCar for a better car buying experience. Until next week, stay hungry.